Hello, I'm Samuel. And I'm Bentley. And this is the Review Podcast. Podcast. Today we're going to be covering a 2007 autobiographical, well, biographical film. He didn't direct the thing. Charlie Wilson's War, uh, starring Tom Hanks and a slew of other talented, beautiful Hollywood people trying to make a point in 2007. <laughs> we have something to say through the lens of history. And you know, I should be the one who geeks out about this movie, and yet Samuel's been talking about this movie for months. I love I love Charlie Wilson's War. I have very fond memories of watching it in high school, even though, even at that point, I was watching it on DVD. Right. But I, right. I, I just, there's something about, you know, we're jumping ahead a little bit. Obviously, full spoilers, as it always is with the review podcast, but we're jumping ahead a little bit. I absolutely love the final scene between Tom Hanks and Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it stuck with me for like twelve years now. Yeah, I've heard that you're that you quote it. I love this. I love the Zen Master thing. I love okay, the Zen Master. We'll get to that. Okay, let's all right. back up a second. I should be the one who geeks out about this because it involves history that was important to me when I was in middle school, high school, and. You know, it's a movie that happens during one particular war. It's talking about a previous particular war, sort of in the way that the TV show MASH was really talking about Vietnam, even though it was set in Korea, right? So this comes out in 2007 because it's Hollywood connecting some dots between the covert war in which we supported the Afghanis against the Soviet invasion in the 1980s, right? And how that leads to 9-11 and whatever we're going to end up calling all that stuff that happens in the aughts. I've heard some historians call it the war on terror. I think that's really disingenuous myself. But it includes, you know, 9-11, then we go into Afghanistan, and then the Bush administration extends it into Iraq for no good reason and with no evidence. Mm -hmm. So that whole period, though, we're at war. Yeah. The United States is at actual war, and so Charlie's Wilson War comes along in 2007 as a commentary on both those things, and it's time to re-watch it because, of course, now there's a third war. Yep. Now we are once again living in the shadow of a hyper-aggressive Russia. We are once again uh, watching our allies take the full force brunt attack of the Russian army. Mm -hmm. And the difference between Charlie Wilson's war uh, and, and what he sees, you know, where he's seeing Dan Rather in a turban, mm -hmm. is that we are seeing images coming out of Ukraine the minute they happen. On cell phones. On cell phones. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the war itself is not actually that much different. No. But the way in which we perceive it has changed radically. So I think it's a perfect time to rewatch and review Charlie Wilson's War. Uh, this is also not the start of Tom Hanks kind of doing a bunch of historical stuff. He's got a couple of credits, obviously Apollo 13. Right. He obviously right. does, Band, uh, sorry, not Band of Brothers, he does um, Saving Private, Saving Private Ryan. Ryan, but that's a fictionalized version of a real event. Right. But this was really where I, rightly or wrongly, perceive him as saying, okay, I'm just going to start tackling major historical figures. Yeah, he's know? basically using his clout in Hollywood. It's like what he wants us to remember. Those are the movies he's doing. Yeah, and now he's <laughs> going to be an Elvis by Boz Lerman as the colonel. Like, man, 
You know, I think we've traded down from Congressman Charlie Wilson. Just personally, Tom. <laughs> I think you're putting a little too much beer in your water there, Haas. But, you know, whatever. Uh, but Charlie Wilson's War is a really, really brisk bi- biography. Um, and it's brisk because anybody who likes West Wing should review this movie. Because yeah. it's Aaron Sorkin at his finest. Oh, yeah. And it's directed by Mike Nichols, who is a great director. You know, came up through the stand-up comedy uh, trenches in the 60s. Uh, he's done some fantastic movies that you love, but you probably don't know him as a director because he's not very public. Like, he doesn't do a lot of promotion for his movies. But the fact that this is Nichols directing and Sorkin writing means that even though it's a political movie, it hums right along. Yeah, no, the the editing of the movie also is really, really tight. It really doesn't feel... I was talking with you last night about how, like, I would not mind a three-hour cut of Charlie Wilson's War. But at the same time, they give you everything that you need in the space of time that they have. And they're covering almost a full decade, which is really crazy that... They're giving you that much, and yet I don't really feel like I've missed out on anything. One of the things I like about reviewing things uh, is that if you come back just enough, you get to see a whole bunch of actors that are famous now <laughs> yeah. getting started. Like So we've done a bunch of things lately that are 20 years old, and that's not quite in the window. Like, like yeah, so we watch Ocean's Eleven, and there's Clooney looking healthy and youthful. You know, and if you go way back to something from the 80s or 70s, you know, it's that's much more of a stretch. But this is only about 15 years ago now. Yep. So, hey, there's Emily Blunt, and she's in two scenes. But I like those two scenes. It's Yeah, there's Emily Blunt, live, die, repeat. Except in this one, it's uh, live, belly dance, repeat. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite a role for her because, like, Emily Blunt, of course, is a very talented actress, huge superstar at this point. And to see her just like sitting there and to learn that she filmed her part in two days. Two days. You're like, oh my God, it's Emily Blunt. Well, it's right at the beginning. Like this movie comes out just a few months after her big breakthrough role, which was in The Devil Wears Prada. Mm -hmm. So this is the very beginning of her Hollywood career. But the whole movie is shot through with, you know, veteran actors who know what they're doing. At one point, they bring in Ned Beatty. Yeah. Ned Beatty from Superman 1, Mr. Luthor. And, uh, you know, he squeals like a pig, and he's just been in a whole slew, decades of Hollywood movies, and here he comes in for what is another two-scene role, but it's pivotal because he is the chairman of the committee that can give a whole bunch more money to the Afghans. And so Ned nails it. He, he plays a completely believable American congressman you know he's perfect yeah and the one who really steals every scene he's in and gets nominated for an oscar philip seymour hoffman yeah gone too soon obviously a supreme talent that we have lost and and just an absolute scene stealer he is there to let you know that he is incredibly smart and incredibly talented and he's just not going to let off the gas for a second. His 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 first meeting with Tom Hanks's Congressman Charlie Wilson is an absolute masterpiece of staging, of timing, mm. and and it would be a good scene even without him. A competent person in that scene could do fine, and you could get by just on the staging and the pacing of the scene. 
But the fact that he just slips in and out like a shadow and starts helping Charlie with this other problem is just yeah. like, were you listening at the door? That's a thick door. No, don't be an idiot. I bugged the scotch. It's, <laughs> he plays a CIA bureaucrat. And uh, he's he's supremely good at his job. He's it's, really fantastic. I mean, of all the roles that he's done that I love, boy, this one just is fire. Uh, shout outs, of course, also to uh, John Slattery, man who has become yeah. much more prominent since joining the MCU, but this is even before Mad Men, I think. I think this, this is, is before Mad Men, and again, he has two scenes. Yeah. That's it. But he does great jobs in, he, in those scenes. He plays his role. So I agree with you that because Sorkin is so good at doing this kind of political banter kind of movie uh, or show, that you could slot other actors in, probably, but because you've got the great director, the great writer, and the great actors, it just sings. We haven't even mentioned our gal... Amy Adams. Amy, yeah. we love you. We'll give you that. We'll get you that Oscar if it just takes Bentley and Samuel. Yeah, <laughs> she's really long overdue. It's and insanity. It's the beginning of her career, although not the very beginning, like yeah. with Emily Blunt. Uh, she's had other stuff. But she plays, she's one of these parts that is the glue that holds the 10-year story together. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is as well. I'd like to go out on a limb here and say that He's pivotal because if you don't have the Philip Seymour Hoffman character, it's easy to think, okay, here comes leftist Hollywood again preaching about something because that's who Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts are at that point. Yeah. That's who Mike Nichols is at that point. That It would be very easy to categorically write them off. It, and yet you've put this cantankerous guy in the middle of them who's constantly popping their balloon he's yeah. popping the balloon of charlie and his uh main benefactor right this uh, texas socialite joanne who's still alive by the way these are oh. these are real people and at one point charlie and joanne are engaged uh nichols and 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 the the core they do a good job of making these people human but you still never lose fact that it's tom hanks doing a texas accent yeah, yeah. this movie would be even better if instead of hanks it was Tommy Lee Jones, oh. right? Because he's from Texas. Yeah, yeah. Do <laughs> you think you could get Tommy Lee Jones to do a believable scoundrel is the thing, though? Yes. Okay. Sure you could. Man, I've just always seen him as such a kind of a straight arrow. Well, so the problem is that Charlie Wilson, the real guy, yeah. you know, I mean, he gets arrested for a DUI at one point in his real life, not in the movie. He does get accused of things in the movie, uh, serious things. He's got a bevy of... Uh, beautiful women on his staff, which was true in real life. You know, I mean, he's a problematic character, but because you're always looking at Tom Hanks, you know, he's he's America's He sweetheart. can't be that bad. He's he, Tom Hanks. He can't be that bad. He's Tom Hanks. In fact, I mean, they have him standing, you know, in front of the flag, and you're like, Tom Hanks for president. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, and I Charlie think Wilson was not a, that. Yeah, the intro and the outro of the film is, is very heavy-handed. I could really do yeah. without... Yeah. That entire introductory scene and whatever it was that they stapled onto the end of it. It's just, I, I don't know what function it serves in the narrative other than to deliver some really heavy-handed exposition at the start. Which is what Hollywood tends to do. And so Philip Seymour Hoffman is the answer. He's the guy who cuts that in half. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, and lets the air out. Yeah, he's, he's the knife in the dark in this whole movie. Yeah. And he's the guy who's, you know, you think the, the movie presents the politicians as being... You know, kind of slimy, favor for favor, you know, sort of all these deals get done over a handshake sort of thing. 
you know, for very petty, small reasons. But then you realize it's not really nearly as dark as the world that Philip Seymour Hoffman swims in. Correct. I mean, he I mean, this is, is not no. This is not all the president's men. There's not a sense of dark corruption. There's no doubt that Charlie is doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah, no, and and yeah, but yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman steals it. Julie Roberts is fine. I think. I think it's fine. I don't know if it's like. There's not too much to the role for her. I think if they had her almost marriage to Charlie Wilson, there might be more there for her to, to chew mm. on. But it's not. It's not super substantive. Um, She's supposed to play a Texas evangelical Bible thumper. I'm not sure I believed that coming out of Julia Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 fine. I mean, Julia Roberts certainly is incredibly talented and incredibly hardworking, and far be it from me to know better than her. But I just don't think the script is really giving her a lot of dimension, mm. nor do I necessarily think that she needs a lot of dimension. But mm. then if you have those two... Uh, answers without a problem, which is this character is a one-dimensional character. Do you really need to splurge for Julia Roberts? Like, I'm sure there's other actresses who could plausibly play this role. So that's the thing. If you don't have Hanks, if you don't have Julia Roberts, um, you know, you're you're suddenly looking at an independent film. Yeah, yeah. You're looking at you got a $15 million budget. Get the hell out of here. Right. And so, you know, because they Hanks. really wanted to say something about Bush's uh, wars in both Afghanistan and Iraq, you know, they they brought the big guns. Yeah, that's they true. brought the big guns. Man, speaking of big guns, the only part of this movie that I think is outright bad, that has outright aged poorly, is some of this computer-generated imagery, which is just <laughs> knee-cappingly awful. You're just it like, is. oh my lord. Like, yeah. you look at an Ace Combat game from the exact same time period, yes. and like, whoa, what incredible graphics. I don't know what the hind helicopters here were made by. Like, this is like full sail university stuff. It's, it's, yeah, it's rough. What actually saves the movie is the actual footage. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I, I <laughs> the mean, 2007 CGI is worse than the actual footage from Afghanistan, which I remember. Like, that, that 60 Minutes episode. That comes at the very beginning of the movie that gets Charlie's attention. That was a big deal in the culture. Yeah, yeah. Right? That got my attention. Well, it's Dan Rather in a turn. It's Dan Rather going undercover, uh, you know, because the invasion has happened. I mean, it was a dangerous thing for him to do. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It, I'm not it making quite light. was. So it is fascinating to rewatch this because the movie, Charlie Wilson's War, on one level, is about how do you get Americans to pay attention. Yeah to uh, injustice and pain and and killing in another part of the world that they yep. don't normally care about. Yep. Right? And then, of course, that's the same challenge with Ukraine, right? Ukraine got invaded in 2014, yep. and nobody did anything, yep. right? We've been sending them some token aid all along, but nowhere near the response that came this spring with the renewed invasion. Yeah. So all of this stuff that happened in the 80s, uh, I really do think Charlie Wilson played an important role. If you read things, you know, outside of the movie, um, you know, he really did get credit from a lot of sources. That yeah. he worked behind the scenes and, and the Julie Roberts character was kind of working on the donor side, mm -hmm. right? The, the big money Republican side. 
uh, to get them to start caring about it. But it was, you know, certainly a time when Americans and the, and the American right did not care about Muslims dying at the end of Soviet gunships. Yeah. So it took a decade, and what we're going through now is a, a ghostly, very weird repeat, but because things move so much faster and because of the cell phone videos, like there's not really a need for a Charlie Wilson now. That's interesting to me. Well, I think the movie also is making the point that not only do you have to keep Americans' attentions, you have to follow through. Mm-hmm. The last yeah. you know, 10 minutes of the movie are really... Okay, we've done this incredible thing. It, 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 is a, it is the victory we were fighting for. This is the outcome we wanted. And now you have to follow through. Because you've dumped money and weapons and training into this country. And now you've, you have to build schools. And you have to build hospitals. And you have to build infrastructure. And if you don't do any of that, suddenly you just have a country that doesn't know that you helped it, and a whole bunch of weapons who still see you as the enemy. And I love that this movie really does not flinch from that. It's front and center. You know, Charlie's there at the end trying to get just a paltry million dollars to build a school in Afghanistan, and he can't get it from the exact same people who were sitting around a table laughing with him 30 minutes earlier in the movie. Well, uh, people who were had been kind of walked by Charlie in these, these publicity efforts... They had walked from about $10 million up to $500 million, you know, to give really powerful weapons, you know, shoulder-held missiles to the Mujahideen, yeah. right? So you go from $500 million, and then after the Russians leave, and the Berlin Wall collapses, the Cold War's over, then there's Charlie sitting in a nearly empty room saying, can we have a million dollars for school? And they laugh. They yeah. won't give it to him. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and then that's, you know, that's going to be the challenge going forward with Ukraine is do we, we have to not just pay attention now, but pay attention no matter what the outcome of this conflict is, you know, you know, Lord willing, the Russians leave Ukraine and leave them alone and respect their sovereignty. But some of their cities are just rubble. Yes. Some of their cities are never coming back and those people are going to need help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a lot. It, it, we have to. You have to maintain that level of attention mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. care, so that we can. Because that's where democracy wins or loses. We can have the big flashy fights, mm-hmm. but then you have to be able to follow through and establish the principles that you want to see on the ground. And you know that's that's the story of America's successes and failures are when America follows through. The Marshall Plan. Yes, the Marshall Plan is a great example. That's a great example. That's a great follow-through. But, you know, there's also the War of 1812. Sometimes, you know, we get it wrong, you know? (laughs) And they burn down the White House, those damn British. (laughs) I think you should do the the, uh, parable. Oh, yeah. So, I love the parable at the end of the movie, which is offered by Philip Seymour Hoffman's character which I have quoted many, many, many times, much to my Uncle Bob's chagrin. He's tired of hearing it, but I'm going to keep doing it. He doesn't listen to the podcast. No, he most definitely does not listen to the podcast. Uh, Because he gets it in his kitchen every week. Yeah, no, I come over and and I just spout about (laughs) stuff that he's never cared about, nor will ever care about. You should have heard my review for the Halo show. Um, (laughs) We'll get to that in another podcast. In another podcast. Uh, But before you do the whole thing, I want to say that 
one of the beats that I love in the storytelling of the whole movie is that Philip Seymour Hoffman tries to tell this parable earlier on. Yeah, yeah. But, like, things are happening too fast and Hanks is talking to somebody else in the hallway and, like, you can hear Philip trying to say it and he doesn't get to say it. Yeah, yeah. It's only at the party celebrating the Russian withdrawal that he finally gets Hanks, you know, Charlie Wilson, out on the patio and he gets to tell the parable. So the parable is... Uh, called the Zen Master and the Little Boy. And there's a, a little boy who is given a horse for his birthday. And the village says, how wonderful. The boy got a horse. And the Zen Master says, we'll see. One day the boy's riding the horse. He falls off. He breaks his leg. The village says, how terrible. The boy has hurt himself. The Zen Master says, we'll see. A war breaks out. And all the young men from the village have to go and fight. Except the little boy whose leg is too broken to be of any use to the combat forces. And so they all leave, and the village says, How wonderful! The boy was allowed to stay. And the Zen master says, We'll see. And that's the attitude I take to a lot of things personally. You know, good news, bad news, we'll see. We'll see. Because <laughs> history continues, you know. I mean, that was the big joke after the... Uh, Soviet Union collapsed after they pulled out of Afghanistan. You know, somebody wrote an essay saying the end of history. The end of history. And it's an essay a- that I have read and studied and marveled at. <laughs> that you could possibly be that crazy. Or that arrogant. It's like, you know, America that- has no more enemies. Capitalism has no more failures. Meanwhile, in the Afghanistan caves. Yeah, really, dude. <laughs> <laughs> So it's fascinating, you know, I mean, we have a culture where literally that whole 12 years of the MCU starts in a cave in Afghanistan. Tony Stark, right? Oh, yeah. Man oh, one. I thought we were going to get through this without talking about Marvel outside of Slattery, but okay, all right. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, you know, we have sort of become numb uh, to this continuing struggle uh, and warfare you know, no sooner do we finally pull all of our people out of Afghanistan last summer than, hey, look, there's a shooting war in Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the lesson is that there will always be bullies. And you always have to have strength. And you always have to be ready to help your friends. Wherever the front line is, the front line moves around. Yep. Yep. And sometimes you fight with building new schools. And sometimes you fight with giving them javelins. Yep. And... Also, I think the the other moral to take away from Charlie Wilson's war is that, you know, democracy is messy. Democracy is occasionally slow. But democracy does have answers to these problems Mm -hmm. if you follow through. If you listen to both your constituents and your allies abroad. It's, it's It's a very delicate dance that requires constant attention and maintenance and engagement on part of the voters and the politicians... But structurally, democracy, as we have it, works. But it requires participation. It requires hard work. And, and the answer is always just beyond your reach because you should be struggling with today's problem. So what mm-hmm. fascinates me about rewatching Charlie Wilson's War Now is their moral at the end or, or them you know, saying, how, isn't it sad that we didn't nation build in Afghanistan with schools after the Russians left? They're making that argument in 2007 when we are literally trying to build schools in Afghanistan again. And guess what? It didn't work. We spent 20 years in Afghanistan 
The battles were over pretty soon. Then we were fighting this insurrection for 20 years while trying to build schools and bolster a democracy. But democracy has to be done by the people who live there, right? There has to be self-determination. You can't impose it. And it does not guarantee tomorrow. Democracy never guarantees tomorrow, but history produces tomorrow, right? There is no answer at which you have finally crossed the finish line and won. And that was the mistake of 1990. That was the mistake of the essay of History Has Ended. And it's fascinating. I mean, I love this movie. It was very entertaining to rewatch again. It was better than I remembered when I first saw it. But even it does not have the right answer. Mm -hmm. Because... Look, what we have found in the 15 years since Charlie Wilson's war is we tried nation building in, you know, four other people. But if they're not doing the work, it's a house of paper. You can't, like you said, you can't impose democracy. Mm -hmm. Democracy has to be chosen by the people Mm -hmm. for the people. And they have to fight for it every day, just like we do. Ideally, we fight for it. (laughs) I, I, I don't see a lot of, I mean, my point of my aspirational spiel is I'm not, Seeing that level of work being done right. by the average citizen. Right. Well, and, but I'm a democracy. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, democracy is the classic use it or lose it. That's yes, what it is. That's correct. It's use it or lose it. So, that's correct. right now, we're like a mule with a spinning wheel. We have it, and I hope we get to keep having it. Well, that's the nice thing. You know, that's where Charlie Wilson's War does make sense because it, you can also just watch it as one person's moral arc charlie's yeah right what's fun about the movie is it it does have a good sense of how congress works and and the need to support the afghani people comes at just the moment that he has served enough terms that he's built up the most ious in congress because he was voting for other people's pet projects Right, and then they would have to promise him, "Well, we'll help you whenever you ask for something." And he never asked for anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, he says that he's got the, you know, the one district in America that doesn't want anything. They just you want, know, you know, they want to be left alone and they want lower taxes. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So he gets to vote yes on a bunch of different things. Right. And so this can be read as a story of like Charlie Wilson, this this catting, you know, chauvinistic Texas guy who's kind of all over the map. You know, he's got a drinking problem. He's got women on his arm. But he finds a purpose. He yeah. finds the reason why democracy is important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty cool. Um, I guess we should also, maybe there's a um, trigger warning we should give. Because he literally first runs into politics. Uh, he he d- conducts a get out the vote because of something that happens to his pet. Yeah. I mean, it's it's... So again, a great in, in one movie you get this this politics is personal, which yeah. is one of the sayings, right? So it, something personally happened to him, and he saw a way to solve that in his local town through politics. Yeah, and he practiced democracy. He helped others practice democracy. He saw the solution in real terms, and lo and behold, that carries him into Congress when mm-hmm. he's a grown up. Doesn't still really see what to do with all these IOUs until all of a sudden yeah. somebody leans on him. It's a it's a fantastic sliding doors moment to bring it back to movies. Right. It's, right. If someone else is in Charlie Wilson's place, does it work? Do all these things come together to make this happen? Right. It's right. it's such a series of it's a kind of a Rube Goldberg machine of politics. Right. And you get the sense 
I think the movie's trying to make a point that whenever something momentous like this happens in politics, it is the result of people coming together who you would not expect. It takes alliances across the different branches, yes, a civilian, true. politician, a guy who's technically classified as, you know, military black ops, you know, mm -hmm. like that's, mm -hmm. it's, it's this marriage of all of the different people who participate in American democracy mm -hmm. as it exists. Well, and they carry that into the international sphere too. I yeah. Mean, this the covert operation hours, is, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got Saudi Arabia cooperating with Israel. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a remarkable movie, remarkable story and a good uh, reminder of the, the benefits and, and, uh, advantages of democracy and, and the hard work of and democracy. the hard work hard work of democracy and and the story of the zen master of course so we'll uh, see we'll see we'll see but yeah it's in the canon i think it's in the canon i think that's pretty easy to, to say well we're, i, I like re-watching it um because of current events in ukraine i'm following those very closely um uh, i guess my way to consider it in light of the canon is uh if you had to show somebody one Philip Seymour Hoffman movie, what would it be? Oh, God. And it might be this one. Might be this I, one. I might show this one. Man, there's a whole bunch of, like, really, really dark, like, really, really, like, adult nihilistic stuff that he did towards, like, the end of his career, yeah, which right? I have not seen because yeah. I enjoy living and the <laughs> sky outside is blue. Yeah. And I respect him immensely. But, guys, I'm never going to see The Master. It's not going to happen. Right. I it's, do want like, to see him portray Truman Capote. Yeah, that's probably that's worth, on my list, worth but it. I haven't seen it. But uh, you know, in terms of just kind of a rollicking, fun character. To oh watch. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, him and the Sorkin. I could have watched him do Sorkin scripts for twenty years and I'm not tired. <laughs> he was made for that dialogue. Bam, yeah. bam, 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 bam. Yeah, yeah. He was. You know, and his his facial hair adds to the whole thing. He's like <laughs> mumbling, and I mean this entirely as a positive. He's mumbling half his lines through this ridiculous mustache that he's got, and like. Wow, that's perfect. Like he, his belt is constantly like one size too small. Yeah. You can always see him fiddling with his waistline, and you're like, "Hey, man, you know me. I'll go visit 1980 anytime you want." <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I think Charlie Wilson's War is in the canon, and and well, it's a good thing to watch now. Certainly for me, and and it's a good uh, thing to watch right now. Yeah, it's what I would show people with Philip Seymour Hoffman, but I also admit to having a very limited Philip Seymour Hoffman level mm. of exposure. It's this or Mission Impossible 3, really. <laughs> so, I think that's a pretty clear choice. Yeah, yeah, really. Well, one of them does have the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, and it's not Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah, I do like that bridge tunnel. <laughs> All right, folks. I'm Samuel. And I'm Bentley. And this is the Review Podcast. Podcast.